So I have a great sponsor called Gummy Cube. Uh, they suggest that targeting the right keywords helps increase installs. Well, to help find out about ranking for the right keywords to help your app success, go to www.gummycube.com. That's G-U-M-M-I-C-U-B-E, gummycube.com. And thank you to Gummy Cube for being such a long-standing sponsor of this show. This show is supported by Apptentive. Apptentive work with thousands of app developers to drive downloads, boost ratings, increase loyalty, and earn customer love. So to sign up for a free consultation, go to apptentive.com forward slash appguy. That's apptentive.com forward slash appguy. And thank you so much to Apptentive for supporting this show. Hey, it's John here from Knocker. We're a new type of property search app for iPhone. I'm here listening to the App Guy podcast. The App Guy podcast, straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy podcast. I'm your host, it's Paul Kemp. This is the show that goes around the world and sometimes I go around the world. As many of you know, I spent the entire summer having the most awesome time in Bali working with loads of entrepreneurs, apppreneurs, digital nomads. And I've met some of the, the best people I think that are on this planet. And if you ever get a chance you know, definitely Bali is somewhere you could check out. Now, it's this is how I, I connected with uh, the guest today. Uh, he is, I, 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 unfortunately, it's a little bit sad. I'm now doing this from the UK and it's cold. I've got a cold, as you can tell, it's um, the weather's bad. And Ben, uh, our guest, is uh, in Bali in uh, one of my favorite uh, co-working spaces called Hubbard.org. So uh, let me introduce Ben Reed. Uh, he is the founder of redefinemedia.com. Redefine.com, in fact, is the website address. And you can uh, also, you'll hear uh, his creative director, Patricia Parkinson, who is there. They're both there in Hubbard. Uh, guys, welcome to the App Guy podcast. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for having us. Yeah, wonderful. Well, first of all, let's just let's just start by just uh, I would love to know uh, what describe your working environment right now. You know, give the audience a sense of uh, where you're working. It's snowing, crowded. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it it it's beautiful. Ubud uh, does paradise very well. We're in we're in the um, conference room of the Ubud space. Uh, there's about 15, 20 of us left this time of night. Uh, it's a balmy sort of summery type of feel. We're I'm, surrounded by the ambiance of uh, geckos surrounding ge- our room. Geckos and scooters. Yeah. So that's that's pretty much quintessential Bali right there. And I'm here in shorts and a T-shirt. So uh, that's the way it should be at 9 o'clock of a night time. It does sound actually rather remarkably quiet, normally for a noisy place. That, uh, But the, the working environment itself is uh, anyone interested should should go and check it out, uh, huber.org. But uh, it, the office itself, the, the building is amazing, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it's uh, a completely bamboo building. It's it's quite inspiring and a good blend of outdoor and, uh, you know, private space on the inside. So we couldn't, we couldn't have it better, to be honest. So we've got a lot to cover, and uh, this audience is primarily focused on mobile. I know that you've got a viewpoint, both of you, on the future of mobile and... Uh, let's, let's start there. You know, can you give us some guidance then on, on where you think mobile is going and what, how you're involved in it? Definitely. So I, I guess we're specifically focused on one particular opportunity 
which we think is a massive opportunity right now around connecting video and e-commerce together on the mobile phone. Uh, so everyone knows how pervasive mobile phones are now and how, how much um, people have incorporated apps and used the mobile in every part of their lives. Uh, we really have seen a massive uh, change in the way people are consuming video um, and that's something that we think will increase the point where the majority of video consumption happens on a mobile. Uh, I think there's a recent quote by um, Zuckerberg saying that 75% of all Facebook traffic or Facebook consumption is going to be video. Um, so there's this massive shift um, on the video side for mobile and what we're seeing is not many people are thinking about um, anything outside of an advertising or a subscription model and we're very passionate about the retail and the ability for a video creator to be able to link with their fans and their audience through e-commerce. Yeah, Patricia, maybe you can tell us a little bit more about what, what it is you're doing then with the video and linking that to e-commerce. Yeah, so um, a, a big part of our process is actually getting involved in pre-production, so not just necessarily jumping on board with content creators who've already produced content, but having the conversations early on about how you can purposely think about the integration of uh, retail in a very integrated and natural way. Um, so that's, that's kind of a new concept on our side and their side, which is quite exciting. So, so like, uh, I guess it would be interesting to know how, how it actually works, uh, like what, what your technology and uh, so how, how are you integrating video with e-commerce? E you know, give, give us a case example of how it actually would work in practice. Sure. So let's give a, let's give a simple example of I'm watching a, a clip about yoga in Ubud because we all end up doing yoga in Ubud. Even people like me have never done it before or getting involved in it. <laughs> so we're watching, uh, we're watching uh, a, a short-form uh, yoga clip and while you're watching that mobile clip, um, you're able to connect with that content, particularly the person behind it, by either purchasing products in that clip or related to it um, or having a offline experience. So in the product case, it could be the yoga mat, uh, it could be a yoga book or a DVD. Uh, in the experience case, it could be actually booking a class with that instructor, um, you know, booking a, a yoga course. Uh, so we're, we're looking at being able to translate a video watching moment directly with a, a purchase moment. But to do that effectively and we believe to create a bit of magic around that experience, you, you do need to have worked with the content creator from the very beginning um, so that it feels authentic when a person's watching it and doesn't just feel like you've just layered um, almost a, you know, just the, the old traditional advertising model on top of it. Yeah, because I mean, what I'm thinking of immediately is if I'm watching yoga videos, for example, many of those are on uh, YouTube, probably by the creator. And uh, you have to physically stop the video, maybe go to their website, every website's different. And uh, I guess purchase from there. Uh, you know, what, what uh, is it you're, you're doing with the video itself to make it different fr from that experience? Yeah, so partly it, it's to make it more of a seamless experience, like you said, not having to go um, jump to a different website, but also not making it an intrusive experience. I think it falls on either side. When you do have products, in some cases, built into video, it interferes um, with, with kind of the visuals or it, it distracts you on the side. We have a really subtle kind of indicator when there is a purchase moment, and then it's up to the person watching whether or not they want to engage and you know follow their curiosity. Well, this is uh, so. Are we 
are you actually saying then that within the video itself there is almost like a little notification that you possibly see elsewhere on your, your mobile device and uh, it would give you the chance to press that to then either find out more information about that particular uh, product or, or possibly to make the purchase? Uh, yes, absolutely. Wow. So within our app interface, we have a very subtle e-commerce button on the side. Um, and when there is purchase moment, it has a really subtle indicator that you can open up and, like you said, um, you know, explore that product in more detail. Um, and in some cases, uh, you know, depending on the user's preference, the video will either stop in the background so they can focus in on that, or if they prefer, it can continue in the background and they can browse, browse simultaneously. Oh, so have you guys seen the uh, new Apple TV interface? And uh, what do you think to that? Uh, it, because I know that that has a swipe down feature where you get the video playing, but you get a lot more information on the screen whilst the video is playing in the background. Is, is that giving you any inspiration for what you're doing there? It, it has. And my, my background was all around trying to make this work on the TV set. Uh, I, I, was, I was doing Shopple Video about 10 years ago and working on it for a pay TV um, provider in Australia uh, and of course Apple TV is many generations ahead of what we're doing there so uh, definitely following it and definitely interested to see if there's some new angle there but for me the the mobile phone is an intimate experience and you've got a, a, an attention with the viewer that makes it very different than doing something on TV or the desktop so for me it wasn't until I, I saw what was happening on mobile that I felt that this particular model could work because uh, the moment you have to uh, even move for one second away from the video, you've potentially lost that at that point where a person might want to connect with a purchase. So um, if you look at what we're doing on our app, it's literally you're watching the video. It's, it, you know, you're one or two uh, touches away from being able to go to a purchase. So, and it all happens via, um, you know, via our single screen. You don't get popped off to an affiliate website. You, know, you don't get you don't get taken out of your seamless experience. And that's really what makes a massive difference between what we're doing and what a lot of other players have been attempting in this space. Because yeah, actually, when you start to think about who's successful on, on mobile. Uh, Amazon are really successful because they have the uh, one-click bu uh, bu buy button and they've redefined the way you shop. Uh, and also, uh, you know, iTunes with everyone having a, a credit card and uh, the fact that it's now really easy to make in-app purchases without really thinking about it. Uh, and so what you're saying is that that, that kind of seamless process, one clicks, two clicks, whatever it takes, but just easily be able to have maybe an impulse purchase is really important and timing makes everything. Yeah, never underestimate the importance of removing even the tiniest bit of friction. Uh, so we, we're, we're looking to use uh, Apple Pay in the international market and uh, we're focused on China, which I'm sure we'll get to where we, we, we're looking at using Alipay over there. Um, and the integration with those uh, payment providers mean that if you want to make a purchase decision, and it's part of its impulse, but part of it's also once I've decided, just let me actually do the purchase. Don't get in. Don't get in the road. Uh, so you know when you when you've mentally committed to making the purchase, you don't have to enter credit card details. You don't have to do anything other than a thumbprint scan in the case of an iOS device. Um, and removing that friction, um, I believe, is a difference between potentially having a business or not. It's that significant. Wow. What you're sort of making me realize is that it sometimes is the smallest minutia detail that 
makes the difference between success and failure. And, uh, you know, even though that could be considered like a, a small uh, habit, to, but, but the fact is that, that that's what you're saying is the difference just between like possibly succeeding in this game and, and not. That's right. One of the things Patricia and I were talking about is, you know, what's one of the reasons why you sit on the couch and use your mobile phone for certain tasks, which arguably are actually uh, more inefficient on the mobile, is the friction of going and just opening the laptop and, and getting <laughs> to the point. You know, yeah. first world problems. <laughs> that <here>. is true. <laughs> I mean, we've all we're all listening to this, and we've forgotten like actually how nice and a joy it is to to use the mobile phone. In fact, now the mobile phone, I would say, is in more cases uh, easier to use than uh, the desktop. But there was a big long period of time where you had to fill out a form. It was just like you know zooming in, really, really awkward. But you still would persevere because that's less um, awkward than having to go and find your laptop and plug it in and it's run out of power and takes 15 minutes to load up <laughs> yeah uh, that that uh, that that's really powerful uh, maybe we can switch gears a little bit because the uh, show is listened to a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs you guys have you know been successfully doing this for some time and uh, what um, advice would you have about maybe trying to crack the Chinese market we don't often talk about that as a potential market. Uh, but have you got any suggestions on getting in and, and trying to figure out that as a market, China? Don't be half pregnant <laughs> with it. Don't, <laughs> right. don't, don't just dip your toe in the water and say, oh, it'd be great to have a business in China. Uh, it, it, is, it is, you know, obviously it's, it's a massive market, but it has so many differences about it. Uh, and uh, there's so many cultural elements that you need to understand. And Chinese business is, a, is a very much a relationship, face-to-face -face driven uh, business environment. So uh, you have to be on the ground in China. Being on the ground is 95% of the way there in a lot of cases. Um, and uh, you need to be there willing to put in, you know, um, quite a patient sort of business development process um, and uh, come back month after month, meeting after meeting and realize that, that the the size of cracking it is so large that it's worth you investing time into it. Uh, so I think you don't take China lightheartedly, um, but when it comes to mobile, mobile apps, mobile opportunities, it is it is an incredible market right now. Um, I mean, the numbers the numbers there are just phenomenal. I, I'm happy happy to go into a, a couple of key oh, stats here. Oh, go on there. Now you're really teasing us. Oh, teasing <laughs> so. Uh, I'm sure some of our listeners can Google latest stats and maybe some of them have changed a little bit since I, I, I've researched them. But basically, you've got around 700 million mobile users in China, which is a phenomenal number on, on its own. Uh, you have about two to 300 million mobile users who don't have a PC or laptop. So if you're not connecting to them through a mobile, you're not reaching them at all. Uh, and these aren't just people based in rural China. These are often people in affluent metro areas who just have never seen a need for a PC or a laptop. Um, also, there is, uh, um, in, in terms of their shift towards mobile video and mobile e-commerce, they're probably three to five years ahead of the rest of the world on this, is my opinion. Um, mobile e-commerce already makes up about 50% of all their e-commerce um, in fact, I saw an astounding stat in China which says that 40, 40 to 45%, I think, of all in mobile internet traffic in China is actually mobile e-commerce related. 
Um, so you've got a, a massive population uh, that's that's very mobile savvy. Um, smartphone, you know, smartphone investments are being made um, at a personal level, right down to lower socioeconomic categories. Um, so you've got a true mobile um, first and maybe mobile only culture um, that also has this massive burgeoning wealth and middle class. So for me, there's a perfect storm of things happening in China right now. And as soon as I saw it, my eyes, you know, were opened and I haven't looked back. Uh, and what do you, do you think you need to uh, be able to speak the language? What are some of the barriers as a foreigner trying to get in and crack, crack uh, the nut there in China? Well, what do you what do you reckon, Trisha? As a from the creative aspect, it's really under you know, in any other space, you have a base understanding of the current conventions, and in China, you really got to immerse yourself to find out you know all the things that are kind of the status quo, and to a certain extent, adopt those because people are used to them. But then, also strategically make decisions on where you want to bring in you know maybe a Western perspective, and um, you know as much as the mobile market is ahead uh, in China. Um, from a user experience aspect, they're actually a little bit behind. So it's a little bit of a balancing act between both of those perspectives. Yeah, Patricia, I was going to ask you, you are the creative director. So like in terms of trying to create, be creative, uh, I'm not sure whether you would get involved in uh, you know, content marketing or trying to build brand awareness through the creative stuff you do. But is there any creative ways you can get into building a brand awareness in China without actually physically having to do what Ben suggests, which is be there? Oh, that's a tough question. Um, it's something we're just exploring right now. Um, I don't know. Let me, let me just do on that for a second. Ben, yeah. do you have any thoughts initially? Uh, I, I think I think you can you can have a relationship with another partner in China that can help you out. I mean, yeah. I, I wouldn't want it to be read as you, you can only succeed if you're if you're on the ground all the time. Um, uh, I I think if you look at a, a, a social network like WeChat, um, you know, which is which is pretty much the dominant social network in China. People in China do everything through WeChat. It's sort of it's the combination of WhatsApp, Facebook, um, payment system, ticket booking, you name it. Um, so you've got you've got an environment like that, which is incredibly dynamic, and you could definitely have partnerships through a, a social network like that where they could push out your content, um, particularly if it was resonating with a certain part of the Chinese audience. Yeah, so like you're saying then, uh, someone over there maybe who has a, a real influence, like is an influencer, uh, like for example, someone in the US that has a million fans would be the equivalent of a, a Chinese company or a Chinese individual with a big influence of people that listen to them. And then you go and approach them uh, to do some kind of deals and uh, deliver your content. But... Um, through through their their influence network is um, that's what I'm trying to think of. Yeah, I, I think so. And and it's important that obviously there's a two way value exchange. If you just kind of say, "Hey, I'm Ben from Australia, and I've got some content. Can you uh, can you help? You know, send it far and wide for me." Um, unless you pretty much pay them to do it, they're probably not going to do that. But the carrot that you do have as an international um, player is that you can offer them access maybe back into an international market. Um, and potentially they want to in, in increase their own brand awareness outside of China. Um, and so for the right sort of international thinking person, there could be a nice sort of mutual win-win 
Um, and certainly the appetite to experiment is very yeah. high right now. That's really interesting um, in terms of regulation and oversight when it comes to content. You know, you think of a traditional television environment, you know, obviously they've got the Chinese government is involved, but in mobile, there is that kind of, you know, unspoken space of experimentation at the moment. And in China, I think that that attracts certain content creators right now, whereas in traditional mediums, they, they are a little bit more restricted. Um, so that kind of gives us a lot of uh, leverage. And, and, you know, for everyone who's um, like, I have not uh, experimented with China at all. Uh, I I would have the impression, and tell me if this is wrong, Patricia, but uh, where you could take the content, say, that you're putting out uh, in the, the uh, West and just have that translated, for example, like really interesting blog posts that may be linked to your website or whatever the, the content is, tr- translate it or get a translation service to do that, maybe translate your app and uh, then push it out through an influencer in China. Is, would it be as easy as that? Uh, to a certain extent, yes. Like, of course, you've always got to think of the considerations of, you know, the Great Firewall um, and making sure that if you do have your content hosted somewhere that it's accessible within China. But I think, it, you know, if you are willing to put the effort in to translate it, um, you know, and maybe it's not even translate in a cultural sense, just literally from a language aspect, um, that, that's, a, that's a huge uh, opportunity uh, for a lot of Western brands. There you go. You're giving us a lot of work to do, but food for thought because, uh, uh, you know, we've, I've actually been doing quite a few launches and, uh, I mean, the thought of launching to 700 million mobile phones is, uh, I know exactly like what that means. It's an enormous number that we can't just fathom in a way. Uh, so, uh, that's well, a lot of users. And the thing I wanted to add as well, Paul, is that you know, I know a lot of people listening will either be digital nomads or aspirationally be digital nomads. Are we willing to incorporate travel as, as part of what they, they want to do in maybe launching an app or being part of that business? And China's an incredible place. I mean, uh, being on the ground there at least for a short period of time and immersed in a, in a fascinating culture while potentially reaching, you know, arguably the biggest mobile audience um, that you can reach for your particular category. I mean, that's if you think of it as an exciting adventure meets business opportunity, uh, why not? I mean, I didn't speak a word of Mandarin when I went there. I still can speak about <laughs> 10 words. I can order a beer and say hello and not much more and I'm there. So don't let language be a barrier. And um, and a lot of the barriers to, to traveling around a place like China have been removed. You can use stuff like uh, Apple Maps. Um, Google was blocked in China um, for a number of reasons. But you can use map software. There's a whole... A whole bunch of things now, thanks to apps um, that make your experience in China uh, an enjoyable one, and uh, and sort of very vibrant startup community that would welcome you if you're over there willing to experiment. So let me thank my fantastic sponsor, Gummy Cube. Gummy Cube are the world's experts when it comes to app store optimization. Now I want you to think about how hard it is to convert potential users of your app if they're not even finding you. I mean, app store optimization should be the starting point for any app. I mean, there's no point in having the world's best app if, if no one can actually find you in the app store. So you need to be thinking about app store optimization, which covers keywords, description, screenshots, icon. They will help you with this. They are gathering a lot of data from the app stores and they are enabling app developers to just have their apps discovered by appearing higher up in the app stores, both for search and for the charts. 
So to go and check them out, go to www.gummycube.com. That's www.gummycube.com. And I want to thank Gummy Cube for just continuing to be such an awesome sponsor of this show. So this is the opportunity I have to thank my sponsor, Apptentive. Now, Apptentive, if you go to their website, it's apptentive.com forward slash appguy. Uh, you'll be able to get a free mo- mobile uh, consultation, but also uh, they'll probably send you, uh, if you ask, um, a ebook that has 55 pages and uh, actually has never seen before data from their Apptentive 2015 consumer survey. It's really everything you need to know about App Store ratings and reviews. Now, we know that uh, ratings and reviews climb you up the charts. And in fact, I've seen from the podcast, it doesn't take that many ratings or reviews of five star to get you uh, higher up in the charts. Uh, The same is for apps. So you need to know about App Store ratings and reviews. Uh, Go and check out their uh, book. It's an ebook. As I say, go to apptentive.com forward slash app guy, apptentive.com forward slash app guy, sign up for the free mobile consultation and get the uh, ebook as well if you request that. Uh, it's also on their site if you just search around. Uh, have a look, it's great. Thanks very much to Apptentive for being such a great continued sponsor of this show. Well, uh, this is a show about apps. So one of the, the uh, last things I need to do is ask you about apps. Now, I loved using Google Translate when I was in Bali. Uh, it really is a phenomenal app because it does actually allow you to talk into the app and then it translates uh, almost in real time uh, to the language that you're trying to translate to, uh, is Google so? Is Google completely banned? Do you think Google app, the Google app translation is allowed in China? Uh, everything Google's banned. Google, Google decided basically not to uh, to censor and um, and provide data through to the Chinese government. So uh, they um, that's reasonably public. Um, yeah. So they, yeah. in return, they they basically are blocked. It's kind um, of ironic when you think about it, Ben, because uh, in in a way around, they have actually provided everything to the US government <laughs> through the US government <laughs> spying on them. So <laughs> at least China were open and saying, "Hey, we are going to do this." That's a, it's a different podcast. Well, you're probably not going to get it on the official government website, but everyone kind of knows what's going on. Uh, well, and there's been some really great Chinese equivalents, I think. You know, you, you specifically mentioned Google Translate, and there's you know apps like Pleco and other types like that um, that that work really well. Um, and, and I think it's really interesting to ex- explore that space based on those circumstances of Google being blocked. So, Patricia, this is again a show about apps. I'm going to put some of these recommendations down on my show notes. Anyone can get them at theappguy.co and go to episode yeah. 359. So you mentioned an app there, uh, Gecko, did you say? Pleco. Oh, Pleco, right, okay. I'll make sure I put a link to that. Any other type of apps maybe that would help uh, digital nomads, entrepreneurs get around China or uh, Indonesia or any, anywhere in Asia? Maybe we could go through a few apps that you tend to use in your entrepreneurial journey. Yeah, I've just opened up my phone and I'll quickly scroll through a couple that come to mind. Um, I'm sure a lot of people that listen to the podcast are familiar with, um, you know, uh, language learning software. And for me personally, trying to learn Mandarin, I found Memrise um, very, very helpful. Um, whereas I usually use Duolingo um, for other languages. Unfortunately, Mandarin is not available. So that's been a good alternative. Um, and then other than that, when it comes to map software, again, considering Google's blocked, I use um, maps.me. Um, or city maps to go, uh, depending on person's preference. But um, you know, considering it doesn't need uh, internet access to use it, it's, it comes in really handy in the most unusual of situations. Yeah, so that's right. You, you can actually download offline and yes. uh, use them offline. That's great. Right. 
Uh, great. Well, uh, we'll certainly put links to those uh, in the show notes, 359. Uh, ben, you, one or two apps that may, maybe you could suggest? Yeah, so I think, uh, I think yeah, maybe maybe back to the China conversation. I mean, uh, the way people get around the Google Google ban is everyone uses VPNs in China. It's sort of an unspoken unspoken uh, um, app, I guess, everyone's got on their phone. So there's an app called ExpressVPN, which comes in handy. And uh, apart from even China, if you're, if you're testing, you want to know how your um, app might look to a different market, then that's something that quickly allows you to, to access servers all around the world um, and log in as if you're in different locations. Yeah, I have to uh, say, like, it is so easy now to set up a VPN. I remember doing this uh, three or four years ago, and it was just a real pain. Uh, but uh, certainly on an iPhone, it's just incredibly easy. And uh, there's apps now that will uh, populate your profile for you and get you set up. And, 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 and now I'm finding, actually, even when your phone uh, goes into standby and turns back on, the VPN gets reconnected automatically. That's right. That's right. So you you, know, you don't even have to think about it now. It's automatic. Uh, su- surprisingly, I found Uber worked really well in China. I wasn't expecting that. Uh, but trying to navigate a Chinese-only language taxi ordering app proved beyond my 10 words of Mandarin. So uh, so having having the creature comfort of Uber in a place like China was, was welcome. Uh, <clears throat> and then I think uh, don't underestimate something like Meetup. Meetup has become very universal. And again, in a place like China, Meetup is a very vibrant community. And so maybe not just an app per se, but that's how I use Meetup. And uh, it's a great way to get to know new people, um, particularly in an entrepreneurial sense. So um, when I first went to China, I I attended quite a few Meetup groups and heard about it through the Meetup app in that area. And there's one very important other aspect we haven't touched upon, and uh, I think it's vitally important, which is how do we actually get access to the internet when you are in places like Bali or you go to China? Um, have you got any recommendations for uh, any pay-as-you-go plans or SIM cards f- for um, yeah, just trying to get connected? Yeah, definitely. definitely uh, in Indonesia, one thing, you know, that you would have experienced, I'm sure, Paul, was internet is often terrible. Even in a space um, like Uber, we have our moments here. So having access to great 3G, 4G is pretty much essential. And often we are connecting by 3G, 4G, and it's faster and better than the Wi-Fi. Uh, it's so cheap in a place like Indonesia. You literally can buy five gigs worth here for, what is it? Uh, equivalent 10? of 25 Australian dollars. Yeah. Yeah. And... Uh, so we find if we pretty much stock up on the prepaid in a place like Indonesia, we're guaranteed, even in rural areas with no Wi-Fi, to get pretty good connectivity. Uh, I'm, I've, I've been getting five megabits per second often in the middle of nowhere in the village we're staying at the moment, uh, which beats any Wi-Fi connection in the cafes, that's for sure. Um, in a place like China, it's a bit different. You do actually want to subscribe to a plan there if you're going to be there for a while. Uh, so it, it is very much country specific, um, but a, lo- a lot of these Asian countries, their 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 three G and four G is so good that don't underestimate that might be better, cheaper, more reliable than the Wi Fi you're sitting in, even in a 
in a, in a co-working space like we're in now. Yeah, and one, one tiny little um, recommendation to throw out there that we came across a little bit after the fact is um, specifically in Bali, and we're in Ubud at the moment, um, if you were to buy a SIM card, some are simply the SIM card and you buy charge packs, and some come with charges on them. So keep an eye out for any of those SIM cards that kind of have the bonus data thrown on top. Wonderful. Yeah, it's, uh, it took me two days to get connected in Bali and to figure it all out. And uh, but yeah, it, you f- you felt you feel that uh, you need this. Is the first thing you need to do <laughs> before you try and figure out where the hospitals are or any you know sort of life saving thing. Where, where's where can I get internet access? Um, great. Well, this has been what a great chat, and uh, it, it just uh, is so pleasant talking to you both. And uh, I will have links to how to contact you on my website, theabguy.co, uh, episode three five nine. But in the meantime. Ben, Patricia, how best can anyone reach out and connect to you guys? So definitely through the website, we have a form people can fill in. Uh, I'm happy to, I guess, just keep my email address on this, on, on, <laughs> on this podcast. I don't know if that's kosher or not. Um, so I'm Ben at Redefine, R-E-I-D-E-F-I-N-E.com. And uh, very much we're interested in any listeners who might be wanting to do something in mobile video or already doing something in that space. Um, particularly also if there's a, a video e-commerce driven angle, um, even if you're just a content creator or have connections there, um, just like yourself, we're very open to building our network there. And Patricia? Um, similarly, as Ben mentioned, my email is pretty straightforward, patricia at redefine.com. Um, and uh, yeah, LinkedIn. Just find us on LinkedIn. Yeah, I'm actually finding LinkedIn as being really handy now. Uh, uh, they've started to really improve uh, their app and... Uh, yeah, so it's a, it's a really easy way of getting hold of people now. Uh, so, yeah, absolutely. Ben, Patricia, have a wonderful uh, time there, cracking the Chinese market, staying in, in uh, the best place on the planet. Uh, thanks for coming on the show, and all the best for um, the future of mobile. Thank you both. So remember to go and check out www.gummycube.com. That's G-U-M-M-I-C-U-B-E.com, who are the world's best app store optimization company. And I highly recommend uh, using them to improve the optimization of your apps and help them get discovered in the app store and use their algorithms and their data cube from the Google Play Store and the Apple App Store. So www.gummycube.com. And thanks to Gummycube for being such a great supporter of this show. This episode has been brought to you by Apptentive. Apptentive are offering a free 55-page ebook on how to get the best ratings and reviews. Uh, to find out more, just go to apptentive.com forward slash appguy. That's apptentive.com forward slash appguy. And thank you very much to Apptentive for supporting the show. If you are a creator like me, and like so many of the uh, app developers that we have on this show, Uh, the entrepreneurs, the people that actually bring the world some awesome apps. If you have found one of those apps as a result of this show and if you've used it and it's really had an impact on you, then I feel that we need to let the founders know, uh, the creators know about their work. And so what I propose is that uh, you send me a a one-minute audio clip uh, that you can record. If you need to use an app, you can use uh, Orphonic to record that and then upload it to Google Drive or SoundCloud and then send it to me. Uh, It's a one minute audio clip of you just expressing how much joy this app has brought to you. I will then uh, send it in a note to the uh, founder 
and uh, the you know it could be a previous guest on my show or it can be uh, someone that uh, would just mention their app but I feel that we need to do more of this because uh, as creators as uh, people that are producing uh, content for the world then there's nothing better than uh, actually getting some really positive feedback much more than money uh, it's uh, You'll understand what I mean when uh, you know I say when you create more than you consume, uh, that you are actually just looking for some really good uh, feedback on what you're putting out there. So it does bring a lot of joy and happiness. I've seen it before. Um, people have mentioned to me uh, from startup companies where the, the biggest joy is that they've seen someone using their app and they um, they get some positive feedback. So uh, let's let's help other creators uh, in the world. Uh, just record uh, some of your thoughts, uh, some feedback, um, positive, potentially, and then I will uh, then send that to the uh, creators and just say one of my listeners of my show has recorded this and uh, it's a, a comment about your app and they'll play it and uh, it will bring a real smile to their day. So uh, go ahead, do that now, uh, make a note. Uh, to do that later but uh, do email me it's paul at theappguy.co paul at theappguy.co email me your message and uh, let's uh, make some founders happy around the world